Come on. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Tara Falcone. Tara, are you ready to do this? Heck yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Tara is a CFA, she is a CFP, and she is the founder of Rise Up, a company that provides financial literacy training to colleges, corporations, and individuals. I'm excited to have you on. Tara, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Rise Up. Uh, so as you mentioned, I focus primarily on financial education, financial literacy right now. Um, and the primary audience that I serve is college students. And the reason for that is because I'm at my core, a small town girl from rural Michigan who was a first generation low income student at Yale University. Um, I had to support myself financially growing up after my father passed away when I was 13. And I got to college and, you know, I kind of lovingly joke that my family taught me what not to do with money, but at the time there was nobody teaching me what I should be doing. So, you know, basically all that I was able to do was, you know, work as many hours as I possibly could to earn enough to be able to, you know, fly home to Michigan for Thanksgiving break or Christmas, um, and then to be able to support myself during the summers. And what happened was I got to the end of my senior year and a couple of things were going on. One, I didn't feel as tied to my goal of becoming a doctor anymore. Uh, I had kind of progressed past that stage of my grief after my dad passed. Um, but I was also really sick of being broke. I was super you know, intimidated by money and I really didn't want to continue feeling that way for the rest of my life. I knew that in order to rewrite my personal money story and my family's financial story, I had to learn how money works. So as my boyfriend at the time and now husband and many other friends were doing, they were working in finance or they had gotten internships and jobs in finance after college. And I thought, well, what better way to learn how this works than to just throw myself into that industry? So I applied to lots of, uh, lots of jobs on wall street, ended up getting picked up by a hedge fund or an investment firm in New York city. And fell in love with the work. It was an industry that I felt I had never really been privy to or really welcome in because of my financial background. Um, but I absolutely loved what I was doing. I was essentially picking stocks for our wealthy clients. Um, but being from where I'm from and, you know, attached to the community that I'm attached to after a few years, I, you know, felt very disconnected from the purpose that I was serving on a daily basis. So, you know, my day job was to make our wealthy clients wealthier. Meanwhile, I had friends and family back home, you know, texting me or leaving me voicemails, asking questions about simpler things like budgeting or credit cards, um, or their 401k. And so I knew that there had to be a way for me to use my knowledge and skill set that I had acquired to serve a larger audience and kind of give back to my community. And so uh, I started with Rise Up, just creating some YouTube videos about 
investing in 401ks and retirement planning. And then going back to my fifth year reunion uh, in 2016 at Yale, they were hosting some financial literacy sessions on campus that weekend. Uh, I couldn't pull any of my friends away from playing can jam in the courtyard, but I was really <laughs> curious. I was like, wow, what are they teaching students today and alumni about money? Because nobody was teaching me anything um, about what I should be doing while I was here. And so I attended that session. I learned that they were doing some things on campus on Monday evenings uh, for some of the students. And, you know, I flew back and attended one of those sessions and I thought it was fantastic. However, you could tell that students were kind of drinking through a fire hose. Mm. They were covering everything from like, basic budgeting to social security payments and retirement in the span of about 90 minutes. And, uh, so I, and, and there were also maybe only 10 to 20 students that were attending these sessions at any one time. Uh, you know, students are busy, they have class and schoolwork and practice and a whole host of things while they're on campus. And so I thought, wow, what it, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could put all of this information online in easy to access video form that they can have access to, you know, at their leisure when they have the time. And then when also these, you know, particular topics are coming up in their life, like obviously social security and retirement isn't something that a freshman in college is necessarily going to be worried about. So, um, that was really the impetus for a program that I now have called Lit, which is our flagship program, uh, and it is now currently available to college students around the country. So that's really the whole arc is, you know, I just basically saw a need that I, as a student in the past, really would have benefited from and created a product to uh, to solve that problem. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. It's oftentimes the, uh, the, the best solutions, the best programs, whatever it might be, do come from that 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 place of need where you actually recognize it yourself and then people ask you geez i've got questions about this and so you develop the program that that that, that solves that so i certainly appreciate that so that must have been quite experience uh being a first generation i think you said college student and then going all the way to the east coast to one of the premier if not the premier higher learning institutions in in the world um did you find well, and I, 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 I guess Yale perceives that there's a need for financial literacy because they had the classes. Did, did did you find your classmates were were of means or was it all over the board? That's a great question. So I attended Yale from 2007 to 2011. And at the time, I would say that I was sort of in the minority from a socioeconomic perspective. Uh, I arrived on campus. I felt like I had to kind of hide my hmm. my money story or you know my lack of financial means from my classmates. It was something that I was um, I felt kind of embarrassed about, if I'm being honest, uh, and you know really impacted me throughout my time at Yale during you know very kind of pivotal moments socially, personally, and professionally. And um, it's interesting because I I was able to find other students who. Um, kind of flying under the radar, found out we were from similar financial backgrounds. One of them is actually my husband now. Uh, we were sort of joking. We, we met our freshman year, and so we've been together for 12 years now, um, which is rare in this day and age. But um, 
my family before I went to school uh, basically told me, oh, find like, you know, a boy from like a rich family to marry and you'll be fine. Like you won't have to worry about money anymore. You can do <laughs> whatever you, you want professionally. <laughs> I, I mean, it really happened. It was kind of a joke, but I think they were being a little serious. Um, and so I, I met my husband one evening and uh, we started hanging out and maybe a month into our dating, we were having lunch one day and I mentioned that I was on full need-based financial aid. So um, schools like Yale and other uh, amazing institutions have have financial aid that's available based on your family's income level. And if you are below a certain threshold, which is actually a decently generous threshold, um, then you essentially don't have to pay anything to go there. And so that was a situation that I was in. And I mentioned this to him kind of nervously. And he said, oh, no way. I'm on full need-based financial aid too. And so we kind of joked that like, oh, the two you know low-income kids at Yale at the time found each other. Um, but I am happy to say that now actually there's an enormous initiative to bring more students like me to campus. And, uh, I believe that in the current class that was just admitted, um, or the freshman class this year, that roughly 20% or maybe a little more of them identify as either, uh, first in first generation and or low income. And so, uh, there's an enormous commitment in the higher ed, uh, institution world to, provide these types of opportunities and access uh, to these socioeconomically underrepresented communities across the country. And uh, it's it's a thrilling initiative to be a part of. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I appreciate you uh, sharing that, you know, you almost at times felt embarrassed. Um, so anyway, uh, I think it's, it's interesting. You, you talked about how just sort of at, at at the top, how you were explaining your background, how you needed to to rewrite your um your 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 family and 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 your history, money and your family family and personal money story, and then talking about hiding your your situation from classmates. So, actually doing that, actually rewriting your money story, that's that's not a a a a. a insignificant thing to do how 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 did you figure that out it's a great question um and it and it wasn't easy to do and it still is something that i struggle with i think that in large part i just started becoming much more comfortable talking about money um you know when i was in school like i said i was kind of embarrassed by my financial situation and you know how little money i had and how much uh, support i truly needed from you know the university uh, just to you know do things like go on uh, different like service trips during spring break or something you know i wasn't trying to go to some beach somewhere like i was trying to do good work and um I think I just had to get a lot more comfortable sort of stating like, Hey, like this is my situation and just accepting that that was my reality, uh, and not trying to hide it from anyone. And the more that I did that and leaned into that, uh, the more support I was able to receive and, uh, the more welcoming actually it was for me. And then that was actually the story and kind of the, the, thing that I hung my hat on in applying to jobs on wall street. I was like, listen, I know that I don't know what you do, right. You as a, as a business, um, I've only ever taken microeconomics. Like I, I haven't taken, you know, investing 101 or I, you know, I don't know anything really about how to choose stocks. Um, but I'm hungrier than anyone else that could possibly be applying to this job. And, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons. And, uh, for th that reason, I actually got hired on the spot, uh, by the company I ended up working for, 
And it was because they just saw in me this, this raw talent and this, you know, hunger to learn and, and hunger to change the trajectory of my life. And they knew that that would be an enormous, you know, driving motivating factor, uh, in the work that I would do for them on a daily basis. And they were right. Um, I, just got my hands dirty, learned everything I needed to learn and ended up, you know, quickly rising to the top for them as an analyst. And, uh, it was, it was a really transformative experience for me. And so now, you know, as I'm trying to continue rewriting my money story, because I think it's constantly being written, um, you know, I'm just doing what I think is really in other people's best interests in my best interest. Um, and, you know, making sure that serving others is at the, the heart of what, I'm doing professionally. I oh, certainly appreciate that. And I, this is the first time that you and I have had, ever had a conversation. Um, but I absolutely, anytime somebody has done the things that you have and put yourself in what I imagine were wildly uncomfortable situations, like leaving home in small town Michigan, going to Yale, you know, going to Wall Street, and now starting this company, um, I, I always have all the respect in the world for people that take initiative and put themselves in uncomfortable situations, um, which I, I think we we need to do that in 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 order to really grow. Which is kind of a silly thing to say because it's sort of obvious, but I no, don't it's think so true. Not, not not everybody's capable or willing to do that. So. When when you are coaching people, working with people, creating these programs, obviously a lot of it has to do with the real quantitative knowledge, right? It's like you need to understand how the 401k plan works, how compound interest works, but then you also need to help people with the behavioral stuff. So how do you bring those two worlds together? Yeah, that's a fantastic point. I think that, um, you know, especially in lit, which is our flagship program for college students, we start actually the first module in that program is money mindset. So we're talking about behavioral finance, um, and how we think and feel about money and where those emotions and behaviors come from. Um, you know, in a lot of cases they come from our childhood, whether that be, you know, interactions that we've, um, witnessed, you know, of our family or our parents maybe arguing about money or something, um, or, you know, getting an allowance as a young person, uh, and just where all of those thoughts and emotions come from. And the reason that we start there is that in my opinion, you aren't going to be receptive or open to using different tools like budgeting or investing, or, you know, even sitting down to deal with your taxes if your mind isn't in the right place. And so uh, the core of that mindset module is actually helping people understand what it is that they want uh, from life, from money, uh, and and how they can use money as a tool to get there. So, you know, one of the issues that I see and that I have felt personally as well was that, you know, when you're in a, a moment of scarcity and, you know, you feel like there's just a lack of money and that there isn't enough to go around, um, it's very difficult to think of wanting anything but just more money. Like, oh, if I just had more money, it would solve all of my problems. Uh, but really what you need to do is sit down and figure out what your very specific goals are. So like how much money do you want to retire? And that's based on the type of lifestyle that you currently would want to live in retirement. Um, how much money would you want to have saved for a down payment on a house? Uh, and again, that's based on how much of a house you would want to afford, where that house exists, um, property taxes, a whole bunch of other things. And so the core thing there is to really help pe people figure out what it is that they want, 
but then add an extra layer to it, which is why do they want those things? So it's one thing to create goals, but it's another thing to tie those goals to something that is larger than, you know, just a material object. Um, and so I like to call those things soul goal umbrellas. Um, and the, the example that I give is like, so, you know, one of my very specific smart money goals is, uh, is to have a beautiful white Spanish colonial house in California one day with like a tile staircase and in, in the works. Um, but the reason that I want that is not because I want the pictures of it, right? I don't just want to how it looks, but rather because one of my big goals in life, um, is to have a very close knit, like tight family. And to me, the house represents the place that we can all come together as a family and build memories and share experiences. Uh, and so, you know, my, my working hard to make sure that I can achieve that house goal one day is actually fulfilling a much larger need for me, uh, which is kind of that love and belonging, um, love and belonging tier of like the Maslow's hierarchy. If you're familiar with that. I am. I am. And I think that that is, it's, that needs to really, from my perspective, be the foundation of any kind of curriculum when you're really trying to help people to change their behaviors when it comes to money. Because if you're just teaching about how how accounts work and all that stuff, while it's valuable, I don't think that that you're 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 not doing all the back work necessary to figure out how these people got to where they are today and why it is that, that they behave the way that they behave. So I certainly credit you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And I agree. Absolutely. Soul goal umbrella. I, I, <laughs> I like that a lot. Where did that come from? Uh, I was just kind of thinking about it and all of the content is video based. And so everything that we, um, have created is very visually appealing. Uh, and so I was just trying to figure out a way to explain, you know, this overarching, um, you know, idea of, of what connects the goals that you have. And an umbrella seemed to really make sense. Um, because you know, it, it covers lots of things. It can kind of keep lots of things underneath of it. Uh, and, and it visually looks really nice in our videos. So, um, there's lots of different reasons, but, but those are the few. So why wouldn't a college or university do this? Why wouldn't they? That's right. Uh, that's a great question. And, and honestly, it's something that we are, we deal with kind of on a daily, weekly basis and talking to schools. Um, interestingly, as, as large of a problem as student loans seem to be and as expensive as college has become, um, many colleges actually aren't just like swimming in money. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a money management issue at kind of like the administrative level or what's going on there, but, um, they're, they aren't just flush with cash to pay for lots of programs like this. And even when, you know, in, in our case, at least our program is, you know, significantly less than it would cost to hire somebody full time to create a program in house for a school. Um, they're still kind of very hesitant to pay for something that, uh, they think they can either create themselves or that they think there's enough kind of free content on like YouTube, for example, that already exists. And a lot of schools too think that it's not necessarily their responsibility. Um, it's, it's odd. It's, it's kind of this, this weird area of life where the responsibility for it gets passed along to lots of other people because they assume that somebody else is taking care of it. So, you know, parents aren't teaching their kids about money because they assume that the school is. 
the school's not teaching students about money because they assume that the parents are. Um, and frankly, a lot of parents don't know what they're doing either, nor do a lot of teachers. And so, you know, in our case, to us, at least we believe that the value proposition is in hiring you know, a company like Rise Up, who has a very comprehensive, detailed curriculum based program like Lit. Um, and we're able to also then, you know, not just teach your students this information, but then answer their questions. So, one of the major differentiating factors about Lit is that the students have direct access to me, essentially. Uh, and so they're able to get their specific financial questions answered. Um, and, and that's a huge benefit that other programs don't offer. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, watching the industry, uh, going to a number of conferences and like the higher ed financial wellness space. And there's, there's a bunch of camps of people. It's either they think that they don't need to provide it. Uh, they want to provide it, but don't have the budget or they think that they can just task somebody else that's already on staff who has way too much on their plate already, <laughs> uh, to try to cobble together some kind of, you know, like, half thought out program based on, you know, linking to this article and this YouTube video and whatnot. Um, it's really odd, but then there are the, you know, the, the schools that we partner with that, that see the benefit of what we provide and, you know, their students are, ha are experiencing a serious impact because of it. And, you know, we're grateful for, for our, our partners and, um, are excited about expanding to more this year. Excellent. Well, that certainly makes sense. And I think that we're going to look back when you come back on the show a couple of years from now, and uh, I, I would imagine that it'll be a very different conversation because the reality will have caught up that, in fact, schools do need to be teaching this. So <clears throat> appreciate it. I sure that. hope so. <laughs> well, Tara, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it would just harken back to what I spoke to a moment ago. Figure out what you want. Uh, sit down, write out the goals that you have for yourself, both those you know, specific smart money financial goals, but also the sole goal umbrellas that those those goals may fall under. Um, you know, when it comes to money, yes, the rules of thumb um, are, you know, kind of a one size fits all strategy. But ultimately, the, the goals that you have and where you want to end up at the end of the day is unique to each of us. So um, it's important for you to identify what those things are and then stand fast to them um, in the face of lots of other pressures, especially social media. So that's the major tip that I have. And then, of course, obviously, um, you know, to learn more, you should definitely be subscribing to us on uh, Instagram and YouTube <laughs> to make sure that you're getting as much free content as you can. I love it. I think that that's great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And yes. Tara, thank you so much for coming on. You uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Tell us again where it is that that, that we can find you. Yes. Yeah, so the website is riseupllc.com and it's R-E-I-S-U-P-L-L-C.com. Uh, and then you can also follow us on Instagram at riseupllc and then on YouTube, youtube.com slash riseup. And uh, that last one on YouTube is uh, I would the most recommended because we are going to be churning out lots of new content, very investing focused content going into the future. So if you're particularly inf interested in learning more about how to invest and how to grow your money, then that's where you will get the most benefit. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tara your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to riseupllc.com. And check out the and follow them on Instagram, and then most importantly, check out the YouTube channel. And I'll link to all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Tara. Thank you so much, George. It was a pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>